Hello, everyone, and welcome to We In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined tonight with co-host Trey Patterson, of course. And we're glad to be with you tonight. And, you know, I'm not used to doing this intro. My wife is. She's not home right now, so it's it's kind of difficult to do the intro when you're not used to it. But anyway, it's college football time. We're in high gear. We're going to go through a lot of football from now until football season, so make sure you join us. Trey, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man, it's happening, man. Another edition of Weigh In Sports here on Wednesday, you know, July 10th. Harvard, I'm ready, man. A lot of weird stuff happened this week, man. It's It's been one of those, you know, we always talk about how this is kind of the, the weird time where stuff happens. Well, there's been a couple stories we can talk about tonight. And we have a lot of stories to discuss. And, and, and just to give everybody a, just an update, our website, we have Weigh In Sports Talk dot com will be up and running just before you know it. We're almost there, so we hope everybody enjoys our website. And, and just a preview tonight's show, Trey, we have a lot to talk about. And if we're going to get out of here by 1030 tonight, we're going to have to get in the high gear. We're going to talk about some college football. We're going to preview the Oregon Ducks upcoming season, the Michigan Wolverines upcoming season, and hopefully hear from some callers out there with their predictions and, and, and what's going to happen in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. So, we're just excited. I mean, the All-Star Game's coming up, Trey. There's a lot to talk about. But the first thing we need to discuss tonight, I was at work the other day, and, and I was reading it. Colin Kaepernick, the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, Trey, wearing a Miami Dolphins hat. And when the fan said something to him about it, he just got a big attitude. What is happening where an NFL quarterback, starting quarterback, would wear an opposing team's hat. I mean, is that not disrespectful to the ownership and the fans of San Francisco? Well, I mean, I think his, uh, his true response, and I've been posting this in the chat room, seeing if anybody knew what I was talking about, was basically he said haters are going to hate. Haters are going to hate, uh, which I find <laughs> pretty – I mean, here's the thing, Tarvin. You know, if you work for a company and, and that's who you enjoy working for, um, and you should, especially when it comes down to this kind of with, with sports. I mean, you should enjoy working for the organization you're, you're part of, that, especially that for Colin Kaepernick, who gave him a chance in the NFL. I mean, this guy wasn't exactly, you know, a first-round draft pick, but they gave him the starting position over, really over Alex Smith, even though Alex Smith was, you know, decently successful. So for him to rep uh, the Dolphins and then say, hey, man, you know, basically he's saying no big deal – that's kind of like if you're if you work for for weigh-in sports, Tarvin, and you know there's another you know startup blog radio, um, you know some sports talk with you know Tim and Jim, and you we I will go off and wear a Tim and Jim hat. I don't think you'd be too too friendly with that one, Tarvin. No, you might be fired, man. I mean, you, <laughs> you might be fired over something like that, but. Could you imagine, tell me this, could you imagine Peyton Manning walking around in a New England Patriots hat? Well, you know, here, and the thing is, is, you know, I understand that some of these guys grow up and, and they, they are fans. I mean, had I had any ability, <laughs> I, I would have, you know, if I'm in the NFL, you know, I grew up a Packers fan. But there's something to be said that once a team gives you that chance, you got to become a fan of that organization and, and, and if you're not, I mean, you certainly don't need to be repping other people's gear uh, and then posting it. I mean, you know, I understand that you know, he, he may have grown up a Dolphins fan, but, you know, he's not on the Dolphins, and there's really no reason to be a fan. I mean, he's, you know, these guys, uh, NFL fans like, like us and like listeners of this show, 
pay a lot of money and spend a lot of time, Tarvin, you know, buying 49ers gear and going to all these games, which are very expensive to go to, uh, to have your starting quarterback do that, it's a little bit of a slap in the face for 49ers fans. I mean, it's the respect factor, and, and we talked about this a lot on our show and other shows, actually. I mean, kids of these days, you know, the newer generations coming up, the younger generations, they have no respect. At all. He, he doesn't realize that that's an issue. And if he does, he's just trying to get attention, which shows you, hey, how mature is our quarterback? An NFL quarterback, to test the maturity of the leader of your team, is mature enough to go around and wear a Miami Dolphins hat. That would be like me working at Regions Bank and walking around with a AMSAL shirt on, you know, or, or hat on or carrying a bag. I guarantee you, you probably wouldn't keep the job. And it's no different in the NFL. I mean, these guys are making millions of dollars. And it just shows you the class he has as well, Trey. Like I said, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, guys of that. Do you think they're going to wear an opposing team's hat? It's okay for uh, if he was wearing a L.A. Dodgers hat or a Minnesota Twins hat. It doesn't matter. It's not in the same sport. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's you see um, it's not uncommon for, say, a player who plays for, the say, the St. Louis Rams or the San Francisco 49ers to wear like a Yankees cap. Um, that's not uncommon. It wouldn't be uncommon, say, for them to wear a Miami Heat hat. You know, maybe they're a LeBron fan, uh, and they don't have to root for the Lakers or, or even the Sacramento Kings or, or wherever uh, out west. They don't have to do that in basketball. Different sport, you know. I mean, certainly, I think some fans, uh, you know, who'd like like their starting quarterbacks to rep the city. Uh, certainly, I've seen Tom Brady rep Boston Red Sox, but you know, that's him. I don't certainly think it's required because it is a different sport, and I don't think you know I don't think it matters as much. But we're talking about a, a team they could play. I mean, what if what if they lost to the Dolphins? Sorry, what if they played the Dolphins, lost to them this year on an errant pass? <laughs> I mean, well, is that going to make you scratch your head a little bit? It really would. I mean, you never know who's going to play in the Super Bowl, and as long as you're in the NFL you always have a shot of playing that other team sometimes. So it's just respect, man. I mean, if you're the head of the San Francisco, say you're Harbaugh or you're the even the, the GM, the president, Trey, what do you do? Do you sit down with Colin Kaepernick? And, and, I mean, do you really have to sit down with this moron and get him to understand where he's wrong? Because now you're pissing off fans. And especially it's okay if the fans are griping at you and you don't say anything. But when you start coming back, Trey, and, and trying to make them look bad, that's a big problem. I mean, those guys might not even buy season tickets because you're the quarterback. Well, you know, I mean, it seems like he does have some growing up to do, but maybe that's one of those, uh, you know, hopefully what you what you really hope, Tarvin, is that someone uh, like Patrick Willis, a guy who's been on the team for, for a while, um, that it doesn't have to get to a coaching or, or a GM or, or some staffer uh, or even an ownership, you know, where they have to come down and, and call Colin and say, hey, um, you know, this is where we're coming from and this is why we think maybe it's, it's not the best decision. You hope it's one of the veteran players who, who gives him a call and says, hey, man, uh, the, you know, we were up 49ers here and, we, and you know, you, you, may, you know, you may think that, you know, it's not a big deal, but for us, uh, it is a big deal because we're loyal to the 49er nation and, you know, on this team you're supposed to be our leader. And you can't be going off and doing this kind of stuff. It doesn't look like a leader. It doesn't act like a leader. Um, so you hope that one of those veteran guys, um, you know, is the one doing that. You know who's loving this right now. I mean, there has to be laughing and loving life is Alex Smith. 
I mean, you know, you get rid of Alex to, you know, to start this guy. And Trey, he does not have the maturity. To, I mean, he couldn't even beat Baltimore in a Super Bowl with Flacco. Come on. I mean, you you have to step up and win. Do you think this guy is going to win a Super Bowl when he's at San Francisco with this kind of mentality and maturity level? Well, I mean, certainly San Francisco has one of the better teams, and he's got a lot of talent. We'll have to see, you know, do I think he's going to win a Super Bowl? I'll be honest, I, I don't uh, right now. Just And it's not necessarily, you know, the fact that he wore a Miami Dolphins hat. It's more along the lines of that I think – a la what we saw from Cam Newton in his second full season, I think we're going to see a little bit of regression from Colin Kaepernick. Not a whole lot, uh, but I think he's going to have, as defenses sort of uh, place packages to contain him, I don't think we're going to see like the huge runs this year, which is going to force him into more passing and tough downs, and you may see a little more turnovers. I think he'll still be successful this year, uh, but I think he's going to have a little bit uh, of a tough time dealing with the new packages and the fact that you know defensive coordinators are now – all over Colin Kaepernick. I mean, they, they are putting entire game plans just to prevent him from beating them. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think just to correct you, I don't think Cam Newton regressed in the second year, but, hey, we're not talking about Cam. We're talking about Colin Kaepernick. Um, Trey, <laughs> well, I would disagree respect. that he regressed. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. He did at times. You're right. He did at times. But I just worry about the this generation coming up, the respect factor and, and how different it is from, you know, even we'll start at Peyton Manning and Tom Brady to this new era coming up, this new generation. I'm telling you, it's a big difference. There is no loyalty. There is no respect. I mean, it's it's almost like if you saw Nick Saban walking around Tuscaloosa with an Auburn hat on, Trey, what would you say? I think a lot of people would have problems with that <laughs> in Tuscaloosa. Oh, yeah. I mean, they would. I mean, they would call for his job. I don't care how many national titles he won. If you saw Nick Saban, unless it was a joke and people knew it was a joke going for, but if you saw Nick Saban out, hey, hey, I'm an Auburn fan. I know I coach at Alabama. They pay me $100 million a year to win national championships, but deep down I'm an Auburn fan. Um, there would be a big problem there and anywhere you go. It's just terrible to see, and we had to touch on that. And I know a lot of people have been talking about it. And, and I heard a few callers on Colin Coward show Trey, agree with it and said it's just a fashion statement he's making, really. That's how kids do it these days. It's just a fashion. I mean, what kind of fashion right. statement is he making? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I know, and I heard some commentary as well, talking about, well, maybe he wants to wear a different color cap. Well, you know, they make different color caps that are 49ers, and if you, you can wear any other sport. I mean, wear a hockey hat, wear a college, you know, wear your Nevada hat where, you know, he went to college. You know, wear, wear, you can wear all kinds of caps if that's what you you have to do. Uh, you don't have to have an NFL cap, Tarvin. I mean, you just, that is just, it's just not I – don't, I don't buy the whole fashion argument at all. Well, Trey, we have a caller from the 912 area code. We're going to take your own way in sports. Who's this? Hey, Brian, what's up, man? It's Omar Oliver from Waycross, Georgia. What's going on, man? How you doing, Omar? What's going on? Good to hear you, man. Hey, yeah, man. Yeah, I know you must be excited about Gus Malzahn offense at Auburn, right? Oh, man, I'm very excited. You should be. I I think in a couple years, if he gets the right recruits, he'll have Auburn back in the mix. Now, I don't know if he'll beat Alabama, but I think Gus Malzahn is a guy. I think if he's left alone, if the, if the boosters get behind this guy, 
I think he could bring some some spice back back on the plane. But it's gonna take time, man. You agree, right? Yeah, I mean it, it could. I mean it, I know it's gonna take time, but how much time is the question? I think since he's been only removed for a year, and those are his recruits. Uh, Omar, I believe they could be a little more successful than people think. And when I say that, you know, a six-win team, possibly a seven- or an eight-win team this year. And then it's all about wins and losses this year because that's going to affect recruiting for the next couple of years. So if he can put together a good six-, seven-, eight-win season and show signs of improving, then the sky's the limit. So if they come out and lay an egg this year, it's going to be very difficult. Well, you know, you know, Brian, you know, I'm a big-time dog fan. And we have to go to you guys two straight years. You got us and Alabama on the plane this year. Now I think you guys can make some noise. But you know that you know late in the year, you'll see who develops. You'll see who what, what guys are not freshmen anymore. You you have a better understanding than who your team is. I think you guys can stay competitive against us and Alabama. I think it'll bode well for your future. What do you think about that? You're exactly right. I mean, you know, you have a six or seven win season and you play your arch rivals close, you know, within ten points and it's a tough ball game. But when you when you win eight games and then you lose to your arch rivals by forty points, it doesn't go it doesn't vote well, especially in the recruiting world and it doesn't really look good for your coaches to see what they're doing. But you're right. I mean, they have to play them close. I mean, they don't have to yeah. win this year. They don't, they don't have to beat these guys. They just have to play them respectable and show signs of moving ahead. I believe it's the final score was, was us and Alabama last year was, what, 85 nothing? And that's the – no, man. You, you can't have that. You know, no, I mean, know, look, it looked like it looked like a scrimmage game after the first quarter in both of them. It really yeah. did. I mean, it was it was a scrimmage of both teams laughing on the sidelines. But you're right, Omar. Man, I appreciate the call. What do you think about your dogs real quick before you go? Clemson, Georgia, well, first game? Hey, look, hey, hey, Tarvin, look, the first two games will set the tone. No question about it. And I think if we can survive these first two games, then we'll be okay. You know, I've now, the question is, one of my dog fans asked me, who would you rather beat, Clemson or South Carolina? Well, you want to beat them both, but I've had a choice, South Carolina, because that's the SEC East game, and it means more in standings, you know? It sure does, and that's a very important – I mean, we're going to know after that first month of the season, we're going to really know where Georgia stands in the national picture. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they, they can get out of September undefeated, or you know, there, oh, yeah. or at least right. maybe with one loss and undefeated in the SEC. I right, mean, you right. just never know. All they have to do is make it to Atlanta with one loss or less, and they're playing for a national championship if they can escape. That's what they want. No question. Let's go. All right, but Walmart man, we appreciate your call. Uh, call back anytime, and we appreciate it. Trey, what do you think about the dogs right there, real quick, before we move on? Exciting, right? Well, I mean, they're gonna have some. They're gonna end some interesting games up up top. We'll have to see, um, you know, how they react. I think I actually think that the 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 game right at the start of the the gate is gonna really set the tone for their entire year. I think I think it really that if they lose that game or if they lose it, let's say they get they lose it big. What if Clemson really comes out? That could be trouble for yeah. their season. But Omar made some, Omar made some good points about Auburn though. They have to stay competitive with these bigger teams. They can't be. Combined eighty eighty five to nothing, Trey or eighty nine other whatever it was, getting beat down like that by your rivals. You can't recruit that way. 
if you're a coach going into a recruit's house, how are you going to convince him to come to Auburn instead of Alabama if they just beat you by 50 points? I mean, it's just it's just hard. So they have to really make steps to go ahead. And we were talking to Colin Kaepernick. We're going to move off of that, Trey. But but before we, we move on, we need to take a commercial break real quick, and, and we'll be right back. Have you ever seen a picture on the Internet and just think to yourself, I'd love to have that on a shirt, or maybe you'd like your company logo on a shirt? Well, ActionWare Screen Printing is the place for you. We'll print whatever design you want on any surface you desire. Just give us the idea and we'll make it happen. For more information, message us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. ActionWare, where your design comes to life. And we are back live, way in sports talk, calling number 646-716-5564. Tonight is a night we start our college preview. We had Tennessee with Coach Led on uh, Sunday night. That was terrific, by the way, Trey. Tonight we preview the Michigan Wolverines and the Oregon Ducks. A lot to talk about tonight. So let's move on to the Major League Baseball scene, Trey. A-Rod is back in the news, and Ryan Braun. I mean, this is bad, Major League Baseball. What we're hearing, they're ready to lay down suspensions, Trey, for Alex Rodriguez and Braun. Tell us, um, how many games do you think it's going to be for Braun and A-Rod they are going to get suspended? Do you think it's going to be the same, or do you think one's going to be stiffer than the other? Well, remember that, I mean, for A-Rod, he, he's, he's been hit before, um, so I think it may be different for him. Now, Braun uh, obviously appealed his, his last suspension and, and won, so, you know, it should be a first-time offense for him, even though, you know, some of us may disagree. Uh, the real – and the other person really involved in this who, you know, people should be noticing, and, you know, plays for the Oakland Athletics, who's 12 and – I think 12-2 and two this year, and that's Bartolo Colon. And he uh, – you know, he, he this would be his second suspension, so he'd be out for 100 games, and that would be – that's it for him for the season. So you're talking about if, if it is um, – a-Rod and, um, you know, Bartello Colon, they're done for the year, and both of them are snagged for the year. Um, you know, Braun is a little less a little less clear whether he'd be a 100-gamer, um, you know, because of the, the whole appeal last year, last time, and I'm not sure how, you know, the collective bargaining agreement would, would really come into play there and what the exact language says, and I'm not so sure. But, man, Tarvin, I mean, this I'm hearing this could come out in the next week or two. So, so how foolish is Ron Braun going to look? You remember after – after he won that, he comes out and starts just belittling people that accused him, trying to ruin his career. I mean, he is going to ruin his career, Trey, if he gets caught with this and he gets suspended. I'm telling you, he'll never be the same. You might as well ship him to, to Mexico and let him play in the Mexican League. I mean, that's how good he's going to be. Well, I mean, one of the things that's really interesting about this whole steroid era and you know the players associated is not one's gotten into the hall, and I know that's not, you know, for Ryan Braun. We're not talking about, you know, Hall of Fame yet, but this guy has been an elite player, Tarvin, in, in this generation right now. And so far he has, you know, other than the stigma of possibility, um, you know, he's avoided the actual, you know, directly tying to steroids, even though he was directly tied to steroids. So this would kind of put that huge stink on him that, you know, players like Rafael Palmero, who, and Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, you know, all these guys, Barry Bonds, uh, have had on them, and, and it kind of eliminates them from the great players. Yeah, Trey, I'm getting a little background noise, buddy. Just a little bit. Yeah, let me Can see. What... Check? I'll, I'll check mine, too, just in case. Yeah, let me check um, real quick. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing about this, A-Rod, you know, after 
coming clean on this stuff and, and talking about using steroids, didn't he didn't he join some kind of charity and start helping these kids? Um, I'm gonna have to mute Trey for a moment. Uh, that phone is getting pretty bad. So A Rod, I mean, we already know he's a steroid user. He admitted it and everything. And to go back again to doing the same thing, playing baseball, trying to earn more money. But he, he, he's trying to act like he straightened his life out, helping these boys and girls. Um, and it looks like he used these people, you know, as a, as, to make his image look better. And, and that's a big problem I have right there is, is when I see someone using someone to get some publicity to try to help their image. A-Rod is a scumbag, everybody. I mean, he's a cheater on the field. He's a cheater off the field. And, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and put Ryan Braun in this category. If, if Ryan Braun would have kept his mouth shut through the entire process, won the appeal, whatever, and it got, the, it, it, it got found that actually the test was bad and he never said a word, that would be different. But Ron Braun coming out and acting holier than thou and starting pointing the fingers at people, Trey, that's the problem I have, and that's why I think he deserves the 100-game suspension. Right. I think a lot of people feel he deserves it, um, but whether or not they can tag him with it per the collective bargaining agreement, you know, two different stories. I think a lot of people think he deserves it, especially, you're right, the way he handled it after the fact. really was it was outright defiant, and, um, you know, it t- turns out, you know, there's, there was something else out there, and, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, a good criminal defense attorney always tells your guy if you you get acquitted is you don't go out and start bragging, especially if you did it, <laughs> even if you get acquitted. So... For you know, for Ryan Braun, you know this is really a lot of problematic. And for A Rod, I mean, Tarvin, this could be the career, I and mean, this could be over. He could be done. Yeah, try to take over for a second. Yeah. So you know, while Tarvin's kind of moving on, I do want to go ahead and uh, let everybody know that we're about to go ahead and start our preview. So we're going to start off with Oregon uh, and the Oregon Ducks, and obviously some of the stories that. Um, that we're kind of monitoring during the off season, you know, clearly the Oregon Ducks had some problems off the field. They got tagged with uh, their probation, which a lot of folks thought was super light. So that's one of the off season, at least distractions for the Oregon Ducks. Not only that, but losing their head coach to the NFL, you know, Chip Kelly leaves, Mark, Mark Helfreak takes over. Um, he's the you know 32nd head football coach um, at the university of Oregon but really the question remains is is it going to be sort of the same old same old at Oregon because i mean this guy um you know over the course of his last 13 seasons he had a huge role with Oregon's offense so you know as we look at this preview and if Tarvin let me know if you're back you know one of the things that really is is i think a concern and i think you know Jason Humphrey and some other guys who are Oregon fans who are big supporters of the show have to be wondering is you know is is Hulk Freak is he the same coach as Chip Kelly on offense. Is he is crazy he's creative? Can he throw in the packages? So that's what kind of one of the things that, you know, this, you know, Eugene, Oregon native, uh, now running the helm at the University of Oregon as the head football coach, I think people were wondering, and I think a lot of us have, have thought, is it can uh can he take over and leave Oregon the same way they were? Because I mean Oregon right now, even with this probation, is a legitimate Legitimate top program. Uh, they they have you know been to plenty of BCS games as we head on to the non BCS era. But you know can a non a non Chip Kelly coach keep Oregon legitimate even with all the Nike backers? 
So, you know, if you're you're listening right now and you want to weigh in, uh, please do so uh, and let us know what you think because uh, Oregon up first in our discussion. So I'll, I'll sort of get kicked off, Tarvin, yeah. if you're ready to, to weigh in. Yeah, I mean – the Oregon Ducks, I mean, this this coaching change, Trey, is not going to really hurt the Oregon Ducks this year. But the problem is it's going to really start affecting them. It's going to really start affecting them after this year, I believe, in the recruiting trail. I mean, they have a good offense right now. I'm worried about their offensive line. I'm worried about some key losses they had on the defensive line. And on defense, Trey, you just don't replace those all of a sudden. And Oregon's always been that team. They use depth. They use just rotating guys in and out. They just don't have that star power that they had before on the defensive side of the ball. And, and trust me, when you lose offensive linemen that are, are very like junior, senior, upperclassmen that anchor that line, trying to replace them can be a nightmare. And it's very, very difficult to predict a team's success when you're breaking in a new offensive line. Yeah, I mean, and I, I said, uh, just want to correct myself that over the past 13 years, Hellfreak at Oregon is actually, I mean, as an offensive guy, he spent his last few years at Oregon as the offensive coordinator. But, you know, Tarvin, let's, let's get right into the schedule. I mean, one of the things I think that you and I both are going to say is that first game, August 31st, Nichols State, is not going to be an issue for Oregon at home. I think we'll see what we saw last year, which is, you know, the starters will play half the game. I mean, this is terrible. I mean, Oregon ought to be start out 0-1 for for scheduling a team like this to start with. I mean, that's that's pretty bad, scheduling them to start the season out. It'll probably be like 84 to nothing on this one, Trey. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it. I just think all these teams should should remove teams like this from their schedule. It's just embarrassing. Yeah, and, you know, not only was is Nichols State, you know, a – uh, a non, you know, whatever you want to call FSS, FCS uh, school, but they're they're one in ten last year, Tarvin. And this is a terrible, terrible team. You're right; it'll be 84 to nothing. This is not going to be an issue. So, Tarvin, moving on to that that September 7th game at Virginia. Uh, what do you think? I mean, Virginia was four and eight last year, and uh, while you're thinking about that, Tarvin, I'm going to change phones real quick. All right, cool. Well, Virginia's a tricky team. The year before, they look they look very good. You know, they made the Chick Fil A Bowl. Uh, they lost to Auburn, but they had a good season. Last year, disappointing early. They started out of the gate bad, and they finished bad. The 4-8 and eight season last year was just a very disappointment. This year, I think Oregon's going to railroad them again. I mean, Virginia doesn't have the guns to be able to, to stay up with these guys. A road game, or excuse me, a home game in Virginia, it really doesn't matter. It's, it's Oregon all the way. And I think Trey's back with us. But, Trey, I mean, Virginia, even if they improve a little bit, I still don't think they're going to be able to hang with the Ducks. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest, Tarvin. I don't I don't see uh, if Virginia, even, at, even even for the Wahoos at home, Tarvin, I mean, I just don't see them being much of an impact here for the Ducks. Um, I think this is going to be a Ducks win easy. Yeah, I mean, they're 2-0. and I mean, there's not even – and I want to go back real quick to the first game, Trey. You waited a whole year for your team to come back and play after that Kansas State game, and you're going to welcome Nichols State into Oregon. I mean, that's just hard. I think you should get the competition up a little bit. So they're 2-0, and and we have Coach Led on last Sunday night, Trey. Uh, the Tennessee Volunteers come to Eugene, and, and this could be an interesting game September 14th. Um, I know we analyze this game from the Tennessee side, but 
How, how's the Oregon Ducks going to attack this team right here, the Tennessee Volunteers? They're going back to the 4-3 from the 3-4, which is going to help them out a lot on defense. Will Oregon struggle with the Volunteers, Trey? Well, you know, one of the interesting things about this matchup, and this is why in our show last uh, last Sunday with, with Coach Glett, uh why I thought it would be a closer game in the first half is because really you have a linebacker competition going on at Oregon right now between three guys, uh, Tyson Coleman, Derek Malone, and Rodney Hardrick. Um, and basically, you know, I think that there's a little bit of experience between those three guys. And one of the things we talk about with Tennessee is they have the best offensive line that I think in the SEC and, and probably one of the better ones in the country. So the 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 real question mark is going to be is are those linebackers going to learn enough in, in, in the fall practices and learn enough against Nichols State and then on the road against Virginia. So when they face an advanced running game like they're going to see with Tennessee this year and with those big boys up front, are they going to be able to get off their blocks and make tackles um, on the running game so, I mean, I think they will eventually, Tarvin. I think they're talented enough. But I think that's why I think they're going to be um, a pretty even game in the first half. Yeah, but tell me, Chip Kelly's not there anymore. I mean, does that play in the mindset of Oregon playing an SEC team? And you know in the past, SEC, SEC, does this coach have what it takes to prepare these guys? Because Tennessee's not going to quit fighting with this new coaching staff, Trey. Oregon gets up 14 points early. That doesn't mean Tennessee is just going to lay down and let them run over. So, will this affect the, the play of Oregon? Maybe putting a team away, not not having Chip Kelly there. Well, you know, I think that it is going to be a difference, and I, I think one of the things you know, I know that you know we have the offensive coordinator under Chip Kelly, and I'm certainly he learned a lot. But everybody has their own wrinkles, and one of the things that Chip Kelly did so well is sort of in-game strategy with the offense, changing up things that weren't working, really making new little wrinkles uh, as soon as, you know, they got you off balance. So as soon as your linebackers and your D-line thought that, you know, the run was coming this way under this, you know, with this trap or whatever, you know, Chip Kelly would fake it that way and then, you know, pass left or whatever. He had this little wrinkle for almost everything. So, you know, is, you know are we going to have that again, Tarvin? I think there's going to be uh, some of that that's not there. So I think Oregon is not going to be, the, the, quite the offensive juggernaut they were in the past. I think they're going to be okay, but it is going to be different. Yeah, the Oregon Ducks, man. I mean, this is a team, Trey, that you know, this is what preseason rankings and, and just going through this is almost a waste of time, really. We have to see it on the field. I mean, this coaching change could be huge, but, but you know, the first year is usually the one that doesn't impact. It's always that second and on after. But Tennessee – if they get good quarterback play in this game, if they can find it, this will be the third game, they can get some consistency with that offensive line, being able to, to get first down straight, moving the clock, just eating clock up and moving the ball, keeping it out of that dangerous Oregon Mariotti hands, all these guys on offense. That's the key for Tennessee. You know they're not going to come out and try to air it out against Oregon. I really think they're going to come out and try the ball control and, and just punching them in the mouth. And if they can successfully do this in the first quarter, Trey, we have a ball game. Right. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think it'll be it'll be closer. But Oregon will pull away in the second half. I think that's where the offensive uh, talent comes into play for Oregon. It's still there. Uh, so I got Oregon 3-0 and out of this game. Yeah, Oregon's going to be 3-0. and I agree with you. Uh, the open day comes, and then they host Cal, Trey. I mean, Cal here lately hasn't been that team that 
that's that strong. Their their defense is terrible. The offensive line's not good. I mean, this is going to be another runaway, I think. I think Oregon's yeah. going to beat a Cal team that's just undermanned. They can't match up with Oregon man for man. It's going to be a blowout in Eugene. Right, and they have a week to prepare for Cal, too. And so, yeah, not not going to be a competitive game. Cal is 3-9 and nine last year. Well, I think Cal can improve a game or two this year, but they're still going to be an under-500 team. So, yeah, not going to be close. Oregon's going to pull away here. Yep. I mean, so far the Oregon Ducks are undefeated in their – in our in our predictions, which as good as that's going to be, so they're 4-0 going to Colorado. I mean, <laughs> the higher altitude, Trey, is that going to be enough to, to really slow down this Oregon defense? I mean, to beat Oregon, our offense, to beat Oregon, you're going to have to have a very solid defense and be able to score points, and I just don't see this with Colorado. No, no. I mean, Colorado, I mean, they won one game last year. They were 1-11. I mean, this is a worse-off team, and this I mean, they have gone nowhere in this off season to make me think that the ship is rioted for the Colorado Buffaloes. I mean, they they may win one or two games again this year, uh, and it is not going to be at home against Oregon. So, um, get, good luck with maybe getting a win somewhere else, but it's not going to be this week. Yeah, one and eleven Colorado team. I just find it very, you know, almost impossible for them to get a win here. But you never know. The next week at Washington, Trey. That's going to be tricky, a 7-6 and six Washington team that really this is the year they have to do it. I mean, you look at the coaching staff of Washington, Trey, I think this is their last chance. If, if they don't do it this year, I think you're going to see a shakeup in Washington. This has upset written all over it. And two road games, this is the second road game in a row. Colorado's not going to be much of a challenge, but this road trip, Trey, to Washington could turn out to be costly for Oregon. I'm going to pick the upset in this Ooh. Well, you know, Washington has done a much better job of recruiting, and especially this past year. You know, we had uh, J.C. Sherbert on a while back, and, you know, one of the things he talked about was how Washington is getting making some noise recruiting. Now, I still think they're a little bit away as far as when they were 7-6 and six last year. They're going to improve this year, but I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to improve enough. I know this is on the road. I think this is one of those games. Um, that's going to be closer, but I'm not going to predict the upset uh, as you are. So I'm going to keep Washington down uh, and an Oregon win, but I agree with you. I think it's going to be closer. I think the Washington is getting better. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just going to be a tough game. It's always it's always hard to, to predict those, Trey. It's always hard to predict those road games up in Washington because that's a team that can go up or down. And you just never know. And the Oregon Ducks with the new coach, new coaching staff, and a weakness at offensive line on the road, trying to hear those signals, trying to snap the ball, a lot of procedure penalties could get the Oregon Duck offense out of rhythm. I mean, that's a that's a team that that really needs rhythm to be able to score. A few false start penalties here and there, it could really damage them. Trey, is that a big upset? Me picking Washington here. Well, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at this, you know, what we've seen in Washington now, it's a possibility. I mean, as Jonathan said in the chat room, you know, offensive line, staying healthy is a really big deal for Washington. They're, if they're healthy coming in this game, it's a possibility. I mean, Washington has been uh, certainly progressing and with some of their recruits coming in. I just think they're a little bit, you know, they're a year or two away from knocking off a big team like Oregon, and I think, um, but, you know, the fact that it's in Washington, Tarvin, I mean, you know how it goes in, in college football. If you're on the road, things happen. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be the circle game for me. 
I'm watching this game very closely, and Oregon wins all those games up to the end. They could be, you know, real high in the rankings, depending on what happens in front of them. But the next week, Washington State comes to Eugene. Uh, Mike Leach, he's a mad scientist, Trey, but I really don't think he can stop Oregon one time in that whole in that whole game. They'll never stop Oregon. And I, be, I believe at home, Oregon's defense, as fast as it is, will be able to stop Washington State a few times. It's probably going to be about a three or four touchdown margin of victory. Yeah, I mean, hard to – I mean, Washington State, again, this is one of those Pac-12 teams that just doesn't seem to be doing a whole lot of improving. I mean, 3-9 last year, that's, you know, this is going to be in, in Eugene. This is not going to be pretty for Washington State. Uh, I don't see this being close either, Charlie. Yeah, I don't either. And then UCLA, Trey, a team that played for the Pac-12 championship and played Stanford very well That in October 26th is coming up in Eugene. I believe they played there last year, didn't they, UCLA, for some reason. I don't know. Maybe I've got it mixed up. But can UCLA go on the road and pull the big upset over Oregon? You know, this game, I know this is in Oregon, but I, I actually like UCLA a lot coming into this year. I, I think UCLA is going to be a surprise team in the Pac-12 in that, and i surprised they were 9-5 and five last year and a very good team. But surprises, and I think they're going to be competing to win the Pac-12. So, you know, this this, this game, Tarvin, um, I'm actually going to predict uh, Oregon holds on. But I think UCLA, I'm not surprised. And, you know, when it comes down to – you know, you and I picking this game this week, and after I watched Oregon play, um, I, I may pick UCLA at that point. But right now, I'm going to stick with Oregon uh, just because they're at home. But man, I, I'll tell you what, Tarvin, this game has got you know UCLA winning all over it. Uh, it's going to be close. I think you're right. It's, I mean, it's, it's not going to be a blowout. I think Oregon will pull it in, pull it out late in the game. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, is, is Oregon just to pull it out late and to keep them humble? Remember, Oregon's not going to be that team with Chip Kelly. I'm telling you guys, they're not going to they're not going to have that same mentality of just blowing teams away. They're not going to have that same mindset on defense as well. So at this point, Trey, we both you have Oregon undefeated, correct? Yeah, I still have them undefeated. I have them losing to Washington, so they have another bye week. And uh, Thursday night game at Stanford, November seventh. I mean, that's they need the bye week after the UCLA game to get ready for Stanford. Do you think Oregon's going to have payback on their money, Trey? Well, I mean, <laughs> I think they will. Yeah, I mean, last year it was you know for those who don't remember, you know, Oregon was in this similarly situated as I have them this year. Uh, they were in the exact same situation last year going into an undefeated season and, you know, they lose an overtime in Oregon and in Austin stadium in Eugene, Oregon. So 17 to 14, uh, Tarvin, I'm going to say they may have, may have revenge on their mind, but I I think it happens again to them and Stanford. I think they lose to Stanford again. See, I, I think they're going to beat Stanford this year. I think going back with payback on their mind, uh, Stanford's a good football team. Don't get me wrong, but they had the perfect game plan. Oregon, I mean, it was just flat that night, couldn't play ball. I think they will get a win on the road at Stanford this time. That's the that's the thing I'm looking for. I mean, the payback is huge in this game. And honestly, Trey, I just don't think, and we'll preview Stanford at a later time, I just don't think they're going to have uh, just have the same season they did last year. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things, as uh, Jason Humphrey in our chat room says, that Oregon beat Stanford last year, and 
And that was a horrible call with a tight end touchdown catch. I mean, so, yeah, there was some stuff going on last year, but the fact is, Jason, sorry, man, you did actually lose the game. Um, but, uh, I, you know, Tarver, I just think that, you know, Stanford, I like what they're doing. I mean, this is the closest to an SEC team that you have in the Pac-12. You know, I think UCLA is getting there as well. But, I mean, man, I like the way they're coached. I like the way that this team is being built, even, you know, after their 12-2 and season last year. I think they're going to be just as good this year coming up, and that's why I have a win at home, um, you know, against Oregon. Well, let's just move it real quick. We have three games in a row right here to end out their season. Utah at home, at Arizona, and home against Oregon State the day after Thanksgiving, it looks like. So, so Trey, of these games, you know, does Oregon have a chance to lose one of these? I mean, they have a chance to lose Oregon State for sure. Utah and Arizona, I mean, I think those are – or less winnable for Utah and Arizona. I mean, certainly Arizona had a decent season last year, eight and five, but uh, they're going to be hosting um, Oregon. I don't think Oregon's going to be uh, as tough to beat this year as they were last year. So I think the Arizona game could be a trap game because you know they have six days after after Arizona and they're looking at their rival in, in Oregon State. So actually, Tarvin, I think that they lose at Arizona. I think it's a trap game. They lose to Arizona. They come back and beat Oregon State. So I have them with two losses in the season. Yeah, Arizona just doesn't seem to play well against the Ducks. Um, I have them 11-1. and one. I think Jonathan does, too, playing in the Pac-12 championship game. So congratulations, Oregon. I have them 11-1. You have them 10-2. and two. Is that enough, Trey, to get them to the championship game to be able to play to see who goes to the Rose Bowl? No, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to be in the Pac-12 title game. Well, that's a lot uh, to take in right here. A lot of Oregon fans on our show. And, uh, I mean, that's just – I mean, if Oregon falls short this year, I mean, it's going to be bad going forward. It's going to hurt recruiting, and it's also going to hurt who they are, Trey, right now. I mean, I wonder how long it's going to take for Nike to pull the plug on Oregon. How bad will Oregon have to suck, Trey, in the next few years for Nike to pull out? Well, Nike's not going to go away. I mean, Nike have found it in Oregon. They're not going anywhere, man. They're, they're, they're the ones who built that program back when they were terrible. So um, they're not going anywhere, man. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on real quick. We're going to take a caller. Uh, we're going to go to the Michigan Wolverines 2013 schedule, Trey, and, and kind of preview them. But first, let's take a caller right here. Uh, you're all way in sports. Who's this? This is Rick. Rick from Michigan. How's it going, fellas? Hey, good, Rick. What's going on, man? Long time no talk. We I talked about <laughs> you on the show the other night, and I talked about you on the other the show, and then you sent me a message. So I see you've been listening to the shows, and, and you heard the Tennessee Volunteers coach the other night. Oh gosh, yeah, the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, they they've uh, they've been gone quite a while. I don't expect too much out of them. Uh, this coming season, but I didn't call to talk about the Volunteers, Brian. I called to talk about the Wolverines, and then maybe talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is the the SEC, and uh, and uh, in particular how corrupt it continues to be. And this is the time of year when everybody gets excited, and gets fired up, and and uh, and wants to uh, talk about these kinds of things. So, hoping we can have well, a, a lively discussion like we did last time. <laughs> yeah, we we got a few minutes, and and and, and we can discuss that. But but your Wolverines come in this year, uh, Rick, and, and just looking at it, you know that first game this year is a little different than last year. So as a fan, yeah. 
Are you more Are you more excited that you don't have to play Alabama this year, or you? Or, or well, I'm, I'm mostly excited that I don't have to deal with their fans. But yeah, I think it's tough to uh, to start out with a game like that. Uh, certainly, uh, Central Michigan, uh, you know, is, is kind of a good way to start the season to kind of work out the kinks, and then I think Week Two is is going to be a big week for us with Notre Dame. I think uh, the schedule sets up nice. It's certainly not a difficult schedule, but I do think. Uh, uh, that week two is going to be the key to the season. You know, if we can win that game, then I think we certainly have an opportunity to to rack up a lot of wins and and uh, win our division and so forth. So, you know, I mean, we do lose a lot. Um, you know, coming off an eight and five year, we do uh, bring some people back. I think we I think we got five starters on offense, six on defense, and um, did lose uh, obviously their playmaker at quarterback and uh, lost some. Well, I think three linemen, but. I think a 10-win season is possible with the schedule um, and what we do have coming back. So, you know, Coach Hoke had quite a mess to clean up, uh, and I think he's finally cleaned up Rich Rod's mess and defensively continuing to be, you know, trying to develop a, a defensive team. Um, you know, I, like, I, like the, I like the season. I like the schedule. I think we can do some good things this year. So tell us about your quarterback, Gardner. I mean, you had uh... – you know, you've had some trouble at quarterback the last few years. Gardner was one of the bright spots that came in. And a lot of people, Tom Lukenbill yeah. on this show actually said that, that he's the player in the Big Ten, that the player to watch is going to lead Big Michigan to the championship possibly. Well, I mean, I like I like Gardner at quarterback. I think he's more of a more of a, 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 a prototypical guy that can, that can get the ball down the field. You know, we do got Jeremy Gallon coming back, and he's got – a lot of speed uh, out in space and Tucson at tailback. So there's some weapons that that we have. It's just um, continuing to to get better defensively and then breaking some new linemen up front. That's going to be the key is protecting him and opening holes for the running back. So good things, I think, are, are ahead for, uh, for Michigan this year. Yeah, I see some trap games on this schedule, Rick. I mean, and, and Trey and I are going to break this down after after we get off the phone with you here, but at Northwestern on November 16th, one oh, yeah. of the best coach teams in the Big Ten. I mean, Absolutely. how are you going to get past, how are you going to get past those two games at the end of the season at Northwestern and then home against Ohio State? That game, the Ohio State game, could have some significant meaning for a national championship yeah. hope. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's it's uh, you know I'm not. Unlike a lot of fans, particularly from Alabama and the SEC, I'm not predicting an undefeated season every single year. I think there are some teams on the uh, schedule here that can that can give us problems and beat us. I don't expect to go undefeated. And certainly, uh, uh, with what Northwestern has done the last few years, uh, certainly going to be a um, a tough game. And of course, Ohio State's always a tough game. But with what we have in our coach, and then we've had we're coming off you know a couple of top recruiting classes. I feel good about the future of the program and. I don't think another eight-win season is going to cut it for Coach Hoke. I think the pressure is going to be on him somewhat this year to to um, to do better than that and to compete for a uh, the division and the conference and, of course, a, a better bowl game. But I think he'll deliver that this year. So what is a successful season in your mind? As a Michigan fan, yeah. a diehard Michigan fan, give me what you're going to be satisfied with going into next year. I think a 10-win season this year, including the bowl, would be um, would be a, would be a, a good stepping stone and a, and a successful year for Michigan. That's what I think. Compete well, for the well, Rick, really compete I had for the a lot of. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Brian. Go ahead, Brian. 
Um, well, just looking at it, I had a lot of people in here asking me questions about Rick. I told them Rick was going to be calling in tonight. And again, thank you for calling in the show and listening and supporting the show. We appreciate it. But you rubbed people the wrong way last year. And, and even though, you know, you predicted Michigan to beat Alabama, I believe, and you lost that bet. So Sonia mm-hmm. made you look foolish that day. So, so tell us, what, what are you going to tell us about the SEC tonight? You've already <laughs> pissed a lot of people off and, you know, well, you, you, you can't. Auburn Tigers like you did last year, okay? Right, right. I can't – well, look, the, my opinion of the SEC hasn't changed, and I don't think the opinion of the SEC from the country's changed. Look, um, I was looking at this earlier uh, this week. Uh, CBSSports.com put a poll out, uh, what's the dirtiest conference in the country, and 66% of 30,000 votes voted for which conference, do you think? The Big SEC. Ten. No other – no, no, Brian. No <laughs> other major conference had more than 15%. Out of 30,000 people. So it's not just me. I mean, look, man, I mean, we, we could go on all day with with uh, with how dirty the SEC is. I mean, I know people will say that we don't win as much, and that's true. But at least the, the schools in the Big Ten in Michigan has, has their, our integrity and is respected. The SEC is freaking corrupt, and it truly is win at all costs. Um, I'm sure you guys heard uh, with this whole Hernandez trial, coming out that uh, Urban Meyer, who was supposed to be the the knight in shining armor, the example of the SEC during his tenure at Florida, had almost 30 players arrested arrested in his tenure. Now, that is just ridiculous. I, I can't imagine anybody else even being close to that. And, you know, as far as Alabama goes, I mean, you know, forget, you know, NFL tr- teams trying to hire Nick Saban. Prison systems need to try to hire him because he's he's good at managing convicts. In fact, I started calling him Warden Saban because that's what that's basically <laughs> what he does, and that's what he's good at. You guys, you guys know about Rolando, Rolando McClain, right? Yeah, yep, I know yeah. Yeah, he well. got out there, and what, what happened? He couldn't survive without Warden, right? So he had <laughs> he couldn't make it on his own. He couldn't function. So it's 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 funny that these people are getting mad because I'm pointing out, you know, the truth, and the, the truth is that the SEC schools recruits criminals, not student athletes. And when you go in and you get these these thugs and these criminals to come into your school, what do you expect? What do you expect? Do you expect armed robbery? I mean, on your, for God's sake, talk about knuckleheads on your own campus. You know, like these like these kids don't know who these these four guys were down at Alabama. So it's it's just the way it is. I mean, it's you know they win, yes, they're very successful, yes, but at what cost? Well, Rick, you know, looking at Vanderbilt, too, and and I would probably, Trey, I would probably disagree with him a lot if if Vanderbilt hadn't had four, you know, kicked off the team for sexual assault. And you look at Vanderbilt with nine wins. So so the more wins a team seems to get after sucking, it just seems like the more arrest. Trey, am I, am I right on this? I mean, it, it just seems like the more successful teams are, the more arrest is on that club. Well, I mean, I, I partly disagree, partly agree. I mean, you know, all the hate of Urban Meyer that Rick just gave out, I mean, Urban Meyer isn't coaching in the SEC right now, you know, FYI. Um, but there is there is something to be said at, at a win-at-all-cost attitude that a lot of SEC fans and a lot of SEC programs have, and there's no doubt about it. We've talked about it. Um, but, you know, let's also talk about it wasn't the, the SEC that had, you know, uh, a coach raping little kids in a shower. That was the Big Ten, too. Uh, so it, it, does, it while it's easy to peg uh, certain conferences as having a lot of big corruption, 
um, and saying, you know, they have players and scandals. I mean, there's been some pretty large ones elsewhere, too. Um, but there is, I mean, a lot of programs are winning at all costs. Uh, just the SEC seems to have more of them. Um, yeah, certainly well, you, had, you have a, a sicko raping kids, but that's that's not really increasing his team's chances of winning football games. Yeah, that was a, a horrible, god-awful thing, but that was pretty much, that involved one, you know, mainly one person. Uh, but, you know, nobody's perfect, but to compare the Big Ten and the SEC in terms of, 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 of illegal activity and, and arrests and, and, and recruiting violence, all, it's just, it's not even a, a comparison. They're not even in the same universe. Um, well, I mean, you cited robbery, which doesn't help the team. I mean, so if you're going to compare apples to apples, that's fine. But, you know, a robbery arrest is not going to help the team win. Uh, that that certainly isn't something that is a criminal act. In fact, no criminal act is generally well, helps the team win. It, it, sure. it is a criminal act. It is a criminal act, Trey. Right? If you, you're robbing, that's a criminal act. Well, I mean, it doesn't help the team win, so I'm saying, yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, like I said, you look just look to the 66% of 30,000 people said the SEC's dirty, the dirtiest conference. No other major conference got more than, than 15%. Right? And it, it's hard to argue with that. You say, well, it's hard to argue with data. Well, it's hard to argue with the perception of the country, at least, that this is a – and it, it just seems to be one thing after another, you know, with the SEC. And it was the same way that it was last year. I mean, I haven't changed my – you know, nobody's saying the SEC doesn't win a lot of football games and win a lot of championships, but the way that they're doing it is just corrupt. Well, Rick, Rick, I have a question for you. Rich Rod got the team put on probation for breaking rules, over practicing the kids, trying to gain a competitive <laughs> competitive advantage. I mean, I, I mean, seriously, that, that's breaking rules too, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, that's that's horrible. I mean, he went you know a little over on practice. Uh, that was you know really god awful. I mean. Sure, he felt bad about that, and that was you know, really bad. But you know, five minutes over the, the time limit you're given versus uh, mugging and robbing your fellow students. <laughs> Come on, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is bad. I mean I, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to defend it. The Vanderbilt, the the you robbery. Have to wonder, what is Nick Saban teaching these guys? What are they really learning? What what are they, in, in terms of character? And, and ethics and what what is what are they giving these kids? Are they just managing at, uh, criminals? Are they just managing these guys that have no idea how to behave? You know, and, and I don't know. That's just that's my. I think that's a lot of folks' perception um, when it comes to Alabama. Well, well Rick, I, Rick, I'm, I'm I'm surprised you hadn't brought up the BUI Trey brought up the other night with a Georgia kicker getting arrested for mm. for drinking on a boat. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I wanted to sit down and start researching, I'm sure I could have a whole I – could, I could have a lot of stuff to give you. Uh, I didn't even know about that. Um, I've been kind of disconnected a little lately. But it's just – it's it's uh, look, I mean, it's just the, the data's there, and it's hard to argue with data. There's going to be a lot of folks call in, I'm sure, that they do not like what I'm saying. But it's hard to argue with data. And the data is – the data would support that the SEC is corrupt. It's rampant cheating. And uh, you know, you see the the I think the tip of the iceberg. Sometimes I don't think we have really any idea of what's really going on, but it's it's going on. And at some point, wow, or not at some point, it'll continue to come out piece by piece as it does. Well, well I have a question for you, and this is serious. Do you hate the SEC because you know the criminal activity and the rest, or do you hate them because you can't beat them? 
Well, I mean, of course, I would love to beat the SEC. I think the Big Ten would love to beat the SEC. Uh, I hate the SEC mostly because I think they cheat to win. I think they cover up to win. I don't think they hold their student athletes, if you want to call them that, to the same standard that other conferences do. And it gives them an advantage by doing that. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Cheating? To, are you talking about maybe getting people eligible? Uh, I'm talking about that. Their... And I'm talking about not holding people as accountable. I'm talking about, you know, do you think? I mean, maybe it was those guys' first uh, offense at at robber, at armed robbery. Do you think so? I mean, I don't know. You know, I think just sweeping stuff under the rug, I think illegally, you know, recruiting. Yeah, I think, I mean, Nick Saban will find every loophole. Wasn't he the I mean, every time they come up with a rule, he finds a way to skirt it, doesn't he? With the chats and all the stuff. Remember that with a video conference? I mean, it's, just, it's one thing after another, and everybody that's worked for him, by the way, says what about him? Okay, I have a right? question. If the SEC, if the SEC, Ray, uh, I mean, Rick, I'm sorry. I've been talking to Ray Connery all day. Uh, if the SEC wasn't winning national championships, just suppose they weren't winning seven in a row, just kicking the crap out of everybody, would would you even care about their arrest? Would you even care think, that I they cheated? I don't know if I would. I, don't, I, would I, could, I don't think I'd be honest in saying that I would. That I would, but uh, I probably wouldn't care as much. Mm-hmm. If they weren't having so much success. You know what I mean? Uh, well. I want to drive up to Ohio State a minute. You know, Jim Tressel, uh, probation there, covering up a lot of illegal stuff, giving benefits to players, allowing them to play in a bowl game after knowing what happened just so he could beat an SEC team. So, I mean, I really think that's cheating. Sure, it is. But, again, if you want to compare, if we want to really sit down and really do a statistical comparison, I'm willing to bet that it's going to be lopsided. In terms of who who has been caught for more, who is currently, you know, I just I don't think it would even be close. Yeah, we can you can cite things on any any team in any conference, but I think the amount and the to the level that it goes on in the SEC is is just a far and away what everybody else is guilty of doing. So on a but, side but note, I, think... I hope uh, Virginia Tech beats the crap out of Alabama. So I go ahead and throw that out there since I, I'm a, of course a Hokie fan from now to the beginning of the year after. Having to uh, deal with that nonsense last year. Well, I have to be honest with you. I think Virginia Tech has about as good a chance of beating them as y'all did last year. Well, I may be honest with you. If I'll tell you what I would do if I was Virginia Tech and you would too, Tarvin. If you if you would understand, just run a hurry up, no huddle. I mean, put in the tape of Texas A&M. That was hilarious, by the way. The big bad Alabama and lowly little new to the SEC Texas A&M kicking that behind in Tuscaloosa. They don't know how to defend the hurry-up no huddle. Put in the tape of Old Miss. I mean, that game ended up being a couple scores for Alabama, but that was a tight football game. I just don't think Nick Saban has a clue how to defend the hurry-up. And on a side note, I think that Auburn's paying attention to that, and I think Alabama's paying attention to that because I think Gus Malzahn knows how to beat, obviously, uh, Nick Saban. And he, he did it once with a good football team and a very good football player. But I think that's Nick Saban's Achilles heel. And don't be surprised yeah. if you don't – Virginia Tech has not something they've been working on all summer because Alabama has could, not shown that they can effectively defend that that offense. Well, Rick, 
you know, the Big Ten, Brent Bielema at Wisconsin, he always accused the SEC of cheating. He always accused them of this, that. And then all of a sudden, he moves to Arkansas. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to know what you – I know I know you're from Arkansas, correct? Yes. So tell us. He probably still so thinks they cheat. <laughs> I mean, now he gets a front row seat at what the cutthroat dog eat dog when it all cost. You know, he's going to have a decision to make: Do I adapt to this this way of recruiting and this way of conducting a program, or do I continue doing it the Big Ten way, which is clean and ethical and integrous? Yeah, Trey, you have any questions for Rick before we move on? No, man, I'm good. See, see, Rick, you 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 even quieting Trey down, man. That's hard to do. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having me on, Tarvin. Uh, I'd love to. Uh, now that we're getting, you know, everybody's getting fired up for football season, I'd love to call back in and chat with you again sometime. I, I appreciate I have a question. the show. I have a question. How how do you know my last name, Miss Tarvino, on Block Talk Radio? How do you know it's Tarvis? Uh, <laughs> didn't you tell me one time? Oh, you're right. Last year I did when we talked. That's right. I'm sorry. I was just wondering how you knew my last name. Because <laughs> everybody in the chat room is noticing you have a southern accent. That's why I had to tell yep. them you were from Arkansas, actually, yeah. and you graduated from Michigan. So uh, Yes. Yes. All right. Well, Sonia will probably be on next week to, uh, I can't after, wait. She listens to this show, after she listens to this show. So if you don't mind, possibly Sunday night or, or next Wednesday, call back in and talk some football with us, bud. All right, we'll do. All right, thanks. Thanks Rick. for having me on. Uh, you're welcome. That was Rick from Michigan, and he is actually from Arkansas, Trey, but he graduated from Michigan, and uh, he's a, he's an okay guy. It just seems like he hates the SEC a little too much. Well, I mean, he's clearly biased. I mean, and you know, <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, there's no doubt that the SEC's got you know a little more scandal than everybody else. Uh, I think they have more win at all costs. I think he's right there. But, you know, once you're blinded by your own conference's missteps, I mean, um, you know, defending what happened at Penn State by saying that didn't help the program. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. So, uh, neither did Maurice Claret help Ohio State, you know, when he was getting arrested, but he certainly helped them on the field. So, um, you know, Tarvin, just obviously one-sided. But let's let's, let's actually look look at what's important here, which is Michigan's schedule. (laughs) All right, they play, you know, a team that seems to play well early, Central Michigan, August 31st, to open up in the big house. Is it me, or or does Michigan seem to struggle against teams like this in the big house early in the season? Well, I mean, a lot of these teams um, will struggle early in the season. A lot of the big, um, you know, Michigan's, Michigan State's, Wisconsin's, they'll struggle earlier in the year. I think Central Michigan will keep it close for a little bit, Tarvin, but actually, you know, after hearing, you know, our friend uh, up at ESPN tell us all about how he was really high on Gardner, you know, I can't help but think that, you know, that Tom Lugan built on to something, and I, I think that uh, that Central Michigan gets lit up a little bit. Yeah, before we go on, Trey, we're going to take a call real quick. 213 area code. I can't leave callers on hold. You're on way in sports. Who's this? Tarvin, Tarvino. I know your last name. Oh, Qu- on Facebook. This is Cuervo. How are you? I'm doing good, Cuervo. Why didn't you uh, call in to talk to Rick there? He seemed to be bashing our conference there, man. 
<laughs> I, and and he he started off with my Tennessee Vols, so you know, bad impression, <laughs> bad taste in my mouth. So um, I'll definitely call in uh, uh, Sunday night if he if he does decide to call back in. But uh, yeah, it was interesting. That, that that's one of the first things I noticed. I was like, uh, Bashing SEC has a Southern accent, so that's why I brought up the question in the chat room. Yeah, I figure I figured that last year we were wondering that, and he's actually from Arkansas, and you know ended up in Michigan some way. I don't know how that happened, but you know he's a he's a he seems like a nice guy. He just hates the SEC so bad. You ought to heard him talk about my Auburn Tigers last year. He ripped them apart. <laughs> you know, with uh, his, I have to let everybody say what they want to. You know, everybody has their opinion, and 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 everybody's going to be able to share it here. But but we're talking about the Michigan Wolverines right now, and. And that's a, that's his team actually, and that's a team that could be very dangerous this year. If you'd like, you can stay on while we break down this schedule. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, I I wanted to talk some some uh, college ball with you guys, and uh, you know, put my two cents in about uh, you know some some special callers that you have. All right, we'll appreciate it. Trey, are you, are you picking Central Michigan in this first game? <laughs> uh, no, th- no, thank you. All right, I'm gonna pick Michigan to get past this one, and I know you will too, Cuervo. But September seventh, the Notre Dame Irish in the Big House, Trey. I mean, this could. I mean, how good is Notre Dame gonna be after getting shelled by Alabama like this? And their quarterback's gone. He's not gonna be able to be back. I mean, does Michigan have an easy time with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and blow them out? Well, I don't know if it'll be a blowout just because, you know, one, this is a rivalry as well. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be a field goal game. So, excuse me, a field goal game. Uh, I think Notre Dame loses this game. I think Notre Dame's going to have uh, a tough year this year. So, I think Michigan uh, sort of helps them along their way for their year. Cuervo, what do you think about this you know, I think this is going to be an interesting game, guys. I mean, a lot of people are putting a lot of thought into the fact that uh, that uh, uh, Golson's no longer the quarterback at, at, at Notre Dame. And, yes, it does make a difference. Uh, however, at the same time, I mean, I, I mean, it, this is, you know, the defending you know, number two team in the nation. So, I think I – think, well, I'm not looking at the schedule. Is this game in the big house or is it is it in uh, is it in South Bend? It's in the – in the big house. That makes it really tough for Notre Dame. Then I think I think they're gonna they're gonna have a tough time. Um, however, I, I'll take Michigan by the slightest of margin, guys. I mean, it could come down to you know a field goal down by two points to win by one. Like I mean, that, that's how close I think this game can be. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the Notre Dame Michigan game is one of those games that you know it, it's just very. I mean, it's close usually. I mean, it's always a dog fight, and this is early in the season, Cuervo. That's the big. This could be huge because if Notre Dame loses this game, there's no shot at a national championship, so we won't have to worry about that. And if Michigan loses this game, this could really end their championship runs if they if they had any to start with. So. This is going to be very interesting. And, and Trey, did you pick this one? Yeah, I'm picking uh, Michigan to win this game. I, I just think Notre Dame's going to have a tough year. Yeah, we're all on the same on the same page. 
two and zero right now, and and we're look. They play Akron at home the next week. We know who's going to win that one. We don't need to break that one down. At UConn, September twenty first. That's not even a game. And then they get a bye week, and now you know October fifth, they're home against the Gophers. So. So, Trey, the anger gopher, Jason Minson, will be pulling these guys through. Any chance Minnesota can knock off Michigan in the big house? No, I actually think uh, I actually think the toughest game they may have in this whole stretch is at UConn. I know UConn was 5-7 and seven last year. Tarver. I think UConn's going to give them a little bit of fit. They're going to beat UConn. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't think Minnesota's going to give them a, a problem. Minnesota, 6-7 and seven last year. They made a bowl. That's all well and good. But uh, Minnesota, I don't think, is going to give – uh, Michigan much trouble uh, at, at the big house. Okay. Well, that moves us to, to Cuervo, Penn State, October 12th at Happy Valley. Any chance that these Penn State Nittany Lions can pull off an upset kind of early in the season, October 12th, not too far into it. Um, I wonder if O'Brien will have these guys ready. I mean, he did a phenomenal job last year with what he had. Everybody thought they were going to be terrible, and he actually had a winning season. So any chance they can beat the Michigan Wolverines? You know, I, I, I would I would say there is a chance. I'm not going to say it's going to happen. I'll tell you, you know, sometimes you go into a game a little too relaxed. And, you know, this is a game that Michigan's going to have to watch out for. I mean, just think about the settings of this game, okay? It's going to be a late afternoon game on the road. Uh, against a Big Ten opponent, so what is that? What does that spell? That spells to me. That spells upset. Any any type of night game on the road, you have to stay on your toes. I don't care who you are, even if you're Al- even if you are Alabama. I mean, you have to be able to to focus and and not get too complacent. So I think Penn State has a chance. I just don't think they have enough talent to pull the upset off. However, if Michigan goes in there, you know, playing like it's, you know, like they're playing Akron again, then uh, Penn State could very well win. <laughs> Trey, I, I think Cuervo's right about just the talent on that team. Uh, I just don't think they have enough to beat a team with Devin Gardner quarterbacking. Uh, what do you think? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I, I think Penn State is such a well-coached team. I think by this point in Penn State's uh, schedule, they're going to know a lot and have progressed a lot. I mean, I think if Gardner is as good as, you know, Tom Luganville told us, uh, then he wins this game. I'm not sold as much as Tom is. And so I, I think this traps them. I think Penn State on the road, we are Penn State. Uh, this is sort of a, a signature game as Michigan comes in un, undefeated and probably well within the top ten. I think Happy Valley is happy that night, and, and Penn State pulls the upset. I just don't see that, guys. I'm sorry. Michigan is going to take care of business. Last year was a fluke. I mean, it was a, an emotional time for Penn State. O'Brien was playing with house money. He didn't even have to win a game to be okay. He inspired these guys. But, look, let's face it, these numbers, scholarship reductions, uh, departures, people leaving for other schools, is finally going to start catching up with them. It could be close in the first half, but in that fourth quarter, Michigan's going to wear them down. Those guys are going to be tired. No, Gardner's going to break one. Remember, the guy can run. And I'm with Tom Luganville, Trey. I really like this kid, and he is capable of taking over a game. So I'm going with the Michigan Wolverines in this game. So, so sorry, guys. I know Cuero, you took Michigan, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm taking Michigan. I'm, I'm with you, Tarvin. All right. All right, good. So we're going to move right along. Uh, I'm just getting some static or some background noise, guys. Could y'all check your phones, please? The next week, they're they're at home against Indiana, and I'm sure we're all going to pick Indiana in this one. No need to really break that one down. A bye week. And, Trey, this could be a game. You went to Michigan State, actually, on the road, you know, at the Spartans. What do you think, man? November 1st. This is when the schedules start getting tough in November. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm, at Michigan State, I'm picking them to win this game. I think they're going to improve uh, so much from last year. They were a really disappointing year at 7-6. and six. Um, after I picked them to win the Big the Big Ten last year, they really disappointed me. So, you know, I got Michigan State winning at winning at home against uh, their arch rival. Cuervo. You know, I I, I think this is going to be a tough game for the Spartans. You know, losing a guy like Le'Veon Bell at the in the running back position, they're going to have to figure out how to do that running game. So, I, I think. I think the question for Michigan State is, you know, trying to find that balance once again on offense. So, um, I think at that point in time, guys, really, you have to look at how these teams are playing. So, it's it's tough to really say they're going to win this game. I'm just going to go based on who I think has more talent. I think Michigan has the more talented team. Uh, but, again, I mean, this is the time of year where Michigan could be struggling and Michigan State could be playing really well. So, but right now, you know, the 10th of uh, in the summertime, I'll take the Wolverines on the road. <laughs> yeah, this could change, guys. These aren't set in stone. We, you know, there's no money put on them just yet, but we will be taking bets. Trey will. Just make sure you give him a call. But I'm going to take the Wolverines too, Trey. Cuervo and I disagree with you again. And, and so, you know, I just really think Michigan State will struggle running the football. And Michigan's going to be undefeated, in my opinion, through these games. I mean, right now, Trey, I have Michigan undefeated. Uh, November 9th, Nebraska comes into town. I mean, Nebraska got shredded by Wisconsin, Trey. I mean, this was probably the worst defense besides my Tigers that I saw all year. Uh, Any chance Nebraska can go into the big house and beat Michigan? Yeah, I mean, I think they can. You know, how Nebraska rebounds is going to be – is going to be interesting. I'm not sure what to make of Nebraska, and it's one of the reasons why I'm trying to hold off on our predictions for them. Um, you know, I just I just don't know what this Nebraska team is going to be this year. You know, you, uh, this is kind of a make-or-break year for them, and certainly um, their coaching staff. You know, I think they're going to lose this game on the road. I think it's going to be a tight one, but I think Michigan wins at home. Yeah, Cuervo, Nebraska, I mean, I really see him regressing with Bo Pelini right now. I don't see him taking that next step. What do you think about this one? Um, <clears throat> well, did, is Taylor Martinez still there, or did he did he leave? No, he's still there. Yeah, he's still a quarterback. Wow. It, it seems like he's been there for, like, five years, but – um, I think I think with him being there, I think Nebraska has a chance. I just – I mean, maybe you guys can correct me on this. Name me a game that – a big game on the road that Nebraska has won. I can't think of any. Uh, um, yeah, I, I just I, – I've always seen Nebraska as a, as a good home team. I've never really seen them impress anybody on the road. So that being said, especially going into Michigan, uh, 
I, I like. I'll take the Wolverines in this game as well. Well, well Cuervo, I'm gonna take a call real quick. Two six two area code. You're on way in sports. Who's this? Hey, this is Quinn. I just I tried calling when you guys are ta- when you guys were on the Notre Dame game. Well, we can go back real quick, Quinn. What do you think about the Notre Dame Michigan game? I think you guys forget that pretty much everybody from that Notre Dame defense pretty much returns. I honestly don't see a reason why Notre Dame shouldn't be able to beat uh shouldn't be able to beat Michigan next year, especially even though Golston's gone as long as Reese doesn't make mistakes, we should be fine if we could have if we could put on 17 to 20 points all year, we should be fine because our de- the defense statistically will probably be one of the best in the country again this coming year. Yeah, so it's, it's Teo. I, th- I think Teo's going to come back, isn't he? Play with Notre Dame one more year. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I wish. I'm kidding. Well, I mean, I, I don't know about Notre Dame, but Quinn, if they lose this game against Michigan, there's going to be no no national championship hopes after that after that defeat against Alabama. I think Notre Dame's going to have to run the table again and actually show improvement from that team last year to get it. But it, it's going to be a yeah, close. I, how's everything? How, how, how's everything going with the Irish in the off season? I haven't heard much you know, rumblings over there right now with any arrest, really. So how's everything no, going? No, it's, it's been going pretty good. Oh, good. Nothing, nothing that I've seen besides Golson next spring is going to come back to Notre Dame. That's all the cool. rumblings there's been. Well, Quinn, when we break down Notre Dame, make sure you join us, and it will be soon. I'll let you know. You can come back in, and we'll break down these games. But for now, we got to keep rolling. So, Trey, you picked Michigan over Nebraska. Cuervo picked Michigan over Nebraska, correct? Yep. Yes, sir. All right, Trey. Trey, you're playing ma- musical phones with me, man. You're confusing me. I've got a lot going <laughs> on tonight, buddy. That's what I'm trying to do, man. Keep you in your toes. I've never had to, I've never had to multitask as much tonight. So if I feel seem a little distracted, I am. So this will never have to happen again, hopefully. Well, this takes us. I have I have Michigan undefeated still, November sixteenth at Northwestern, and I'm going to go ahead and pick this one first, guys, just in case one of you guys try to sneak up and steal my thunder. Northwestern pulls the upset and takes care of Michigan on at home. Actually, Trey, I'm going to go ahead and pick the upset. This is Michigan's first loss of the season, November sixteenth at Northwestern. You know, I think you could be right on this. I think Northwestern is an up-and-coming program. I don't think it's going to be an upset, though, uh, because, I mean, I have them already a few losses this year, at this point in the year. Uh, obviously, we haven't talked about Northwestern's schedule, but maybe that's previewing a little something for you. Uh, I think they lose, yeah, I think this is the third loss. I think they lose at Northwestern. And Cuervo, are you going to jump on this uh, train that's rolling right now? Are you going to give us the, the three in a row? You damn right I am, Tarvino. <laughs> this is this is Chicago's Big Ten football team. Pat Fitzgerald has made a believer out of a lot of people here in the Chicago area about Northwestern. They haven't people have not been this excited about Northwestern since they went to the Rose Bowl back when uh, 
God, that was like 95, I think it was. Um, they got steamrolled in the Rose Bowl. However, people have not been this excited about the team since, you know, since back then. So, um, you know, it, it, the game is the game is in Evanston, Illinois. So it has all the makings of, you know, a, a win for the Wildcats. So yeah, I'm I'm right there with you guys. I like Northwestern in this game. Yeah, Paul Ewing in the chat room says Northwestern returns 15 starters. I mean, that's good. And and you have. Uh, you remember Coach was on the show, Trey, a few weeks ago, and and he was talking about Northwestern had the best coach in America, in his opinion, you know, dealing with him. And um, I like the guy. He's done a lot with Northwestern, and it wouldn't surprise me if they won the Big Ten, honestly. That's how much I think of this team. And so we all agree Northwestern is going to take care of business. Trey has them with three losses. Cuervo, I think you have them with two at this time. So... Uh, We'll, we'll move on. Yeah. Iowa, I'm not even going to talk about Iowa, guys. It's a road game at Iowa, unless you guys want to stop me and, and tell me if you have an upset of mine. But the November, it's all about November 30th now for Michigan. This will determine, you know, their season. A one-loss Michigan team, just in, on my predictions, at home against Ohio State trade. Does Hoke have what it takes to beat Urban Meyer? Remember, Urban Meyer went undefeated last year. Braxton Miller's back, a Heisman Trophy candidate. I mean, this is going to be a good game. Yeah, and I'll tell you, you know, I know that they were at Ohio State last year, they lost by five, you know, 26 to 21 in a really good ball game. So, you know, I think that this, this comes down to the entire season for Michigan because I have them with three losses at this point. So, I think that this actually defines their season. They rebound, and I think they knock off Ohio State here, Tarvin. I think that this becomes, you know, Hoke's sort of saving grace, and he beats Urban Meyer and, and Ohio State. Cuervo. Yeah, at this point, guys, going into that game against Ohio State, I only have them losing to Northwestern, so – you know, if if the season goes the way I'm thinking, it, there's going to be a whole lot of pressure on both teams to win this game. I mean, you know, it's not a surprise. I mean, Ohio State-Michigan is always a huge game. But, you know, this year we could very well see both teams with either one loss or both undefeated at this point in time, depending on how things go. So, uh, But, Tarvin, you know how I feel about uh, Ohio State? And uh, I, I'm going to stick with it. I think Ohio State beats Michigan, and uh, I, I've got the Wolverines finishing the season with two losses. I'm going to pick. I'm going to go with Trey on this one. I'm going to pick the Michigan Wolverines. I think Ohio State will probably be undefeated coming into the big house. Two rivals that hate each other so much. I mean, you have an undefeated team and a one-loss team. It's a, a great matchup. And, and the funny thing is, Trey, the winner, let's just say Michigan beats Ohio State, they can play the next week in the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, you know, this could be, you know, you're predicting possibly a rematch. I don't think so because, I mean, where I have Michigan. But, you know, I, I think that this knocks uh, this could knock Ohio State out of the national championship picture. Even if they beat Ohio State in the – or say Ohio State loses to Michigan – and they beat Michigan in the Big Ten championship game, it's still not going to be enough, is it, to get them back no. in the title hopes. I mean, it's because there's probably going to be an SEC team or two with one loss. And it's just with the schedule of Ohio State and the, and the weakness of the Big Ten, 
I just don't think a one-loss Big Ten team will ever play for it. But Michigan, just say this, Trey, though, Michigan, they lost to Northwestern. Is that going to knock them out? If they were a one-loss team beating Ohio State in the Big Ten championship, will that give them enough credibility, really, to make a national championship game? So if you had a one-loss Big 12 team, you had a one-loss SEC team, and you had a one-loss Michigan team, well, I mean, you know, each loss is not like the other. So it really is going to come down to when they lost and who they lost to and, how, you know, those kind of factors. I mean, it's going to be harder for a Big Ten team with a loss to compete with an SEC school, depending on which one it is. You know, if you have an SEC school that, say, will play Texas A&M, Alabama, LSU, and say it's one of those three teams and they beat two of those and lost the other, then they're going to have a much better shot at getting in. Uh, or even say you know like a Florida you know with a loss you know so this is really going to be uh, determinative of what team played what schedule. I mean the problem mm-hmm. with both Michigan and Ohio State is going to be the schedule. Yeah, well I was going to ask you Trey, do you want to do the NFC South tonight or do you want to wait till Sunday? Let's wait till Sunday, Tarvin. Okay, I have some things going on that usually I don't have. So sorry if we've been a little scattered tonight. We've had some issues in the studio as well. I've been trying to work on that in the chat room and doing all this other stuff. So uh, it's been a fun show. You know, the the bottom line is college football is very hard to predict. I mean, if you, you can look at returning starters, you can look at uh, recruiting classes, but Trey, at the end of the day, until you see that team gel, I mean, you really don't know. All we're doing is guessing, really, trying to make the best estimated guess we can. But, I mean, Michigan, for all we know, could be a 6-16. and 16. That's how easy it can right. turn. Yeah, I mean, obviously you see that we have pretty different um, positions on the Michigan season. And so, you know, we'll have to see how that works out. I mean, I have them with three losses, and you have them with one. So, you know, we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I really believe in Gardner, and I believe in, in Hoke and Al Board, just as offensive coordinator. Michigan, if you look at them, they've done one thing well, and they have recruited, and they keep loading up, building depth. And that's that's one thing I've noticed with Michigan. They're trying to build that depth. Running back is a question. But having Gardner as a quarterback, Trey, having Gardner as a quarterback that can run the ball should take some pressure off these running backs and allow them to, you know, to have a successful year, try to break them in. So this could be very interesting. The Michigan Wolverines could be a team, and it's odd that we picked – a Michigan team first and Oregon. Those are two high-power teams right now that that have a lot of expectations on them. Yeah, I mean, both of them, you know, I think with Michigan, I think, you know, the fans from Michigan are a little bit different than, say, um, you know, I think where Oregon is, where where Oregon, I think, expects, based on their schedule, to be at least uh, in talks for a national championship. I think in Michigan, on the other hand, I think are a little bit less um, I guess shooting for, hey, we, we should be in the national championship. I think they understand they could be. It's possible. But I think they they even look at their schedule and see some trap games and see some problem uh, opponents on there. And, you know, so we'll have, to, we'll have to see on Michigan, you know, whether, you know, Nebraska is tougher or Northwestern, you know. I mean, there's some teams on that schedule um, that could be better than we think. Well, Sunday night, a big show for us. We're going to preview. We're going to stay in the Pac-12 tray, and we're going to go with Southern California. That's a team we're going to look at Sunday night, and we're going to come into the Big 12 and actually get Oklahoma. 
So we're going to have Southern Cal, Oklahoma, the NFC South. We have we have a lot of time to do the divisions in the NFL, so we're just going to move that to Sunday night. We're going to talk some baseball talk, Trey, Sunday night. We're going to talk about the strikeouts going down, going up in the last few years some reason. So if you're listening right now and you you want to write some things down, you'd like to discuss with us, make sure you do that. And um, and I also want to have some discussions about the Wonderlick test, how it correlates to arrest, do some, uh, you know, some background information on the Wonderlick to see the scores by the positions and, and just talk about that a little bit. So we have a big show planned Sunday night, Trey. We're probably going to go the full two hours on that night. So tonight we're going to shut it down at 1030 uh, anything you want to discuss before we go? No, man. Hope everybody has a good night and joins us on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – I'm going to play a commercial before we go, and uh, we will see you Sunday night, guys. Family reunions, school names, sports logos, custom designs. Actionware screen printing will do all of that on whatever you want. Hats, shirts, shorts, pants, and much, much more. Embroidery, printing, decals, it doesn't matter. Just give us the idea, we'll make it happen. For more information, contact us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. Thinking about switching telephone service for your business to voice over IP, but you don't know where to start? We'd like to tell you about Clear Voice VIP from Telesystems. It has more features than traditional phone service, is more reliable, and can save you up to 60%. Call us toll-free at 866-608-7182. Clear Voice VIP is business class phone service you can count on. 866-608-7182.